everybody. Welcome to a French Village podcast. I'm here with my brilliant friend, Ben Wittes, and we are discussing season five, episodes nine and 10. We are almost at the end of the fifth season. Ben, a couple big things happened. I see I see that you've named yourself today Dead Mummy, which I think- I am the dead mummy. not that nice. The, <laughs> the mummy is dead. He is not rasping anymore. And we have- uh, mob justice. We have rigged trials. We have um, uh, a ball. A ball. We have a ball uh, with uh, associated uh, debauchery, and we have French-accented Jewish prayer, which was hilarious. French-accented Jewish prayer. Yeah, we oh, have the, oh, uh, the oh, Rita oh, they're, and they're Ezekiel over David. and his daughter uh, are all praying together in Hebrew with uh, intense French accents. Mm, okay, yeah. So uh, we can start with the trial, which is where these episodes start. Um, and because where we left off uh, in previous episodes was that uh, Leon, Lion uh, had called up uh, the, the head people in charge and they said, shoot them all. This just no reason for a real trial. We are making an example out of the militiamen. So go get them executed. And this is after Barrios made a big deal out of the rebirth of the Republic. We're going to do this the right way. This is not a show trial. It's a real trial. He went to the uh, trouble of digging up Daniel Larche to be a credible defense attorney uh, for the militiamen. He's got his judges in Antoine and Suzanne and Ensemble. Uh, who are taking it quite seriously, at least Suzanne and Antoine are. And so this episode kicks off with, with Barrio being like, sorry, you got to shoot them all. And I need this trial rigged. And Suzanne and Antoine protesting, and then ultimately at least Suzanne relenting. Yeah, although, so I, I think this is a, a really interesting, so this starts out, they're going to have a real trial. And then they get orders to have a show trial uh, and shoot them all. And then uh, they basically get the, you know, Barrio decides that they actually need to let some people off. So it's a show trial where part of the show is that they're not shooting everybody in, in sort of defiance of orders. So it is you know, at first, the corruption is a corruption in favor of guilt findings, and then the corruption is in favor of uh, leniency. Yeah, and the, the whole thing, the whole plan gets kind of blown up because Barrio uh, preemptively goes to Schwartz to order the wood for the caskets for the people who are about to die. Uh, and Janine... Always a problem. Uh, and so the, the thing with Schwartz, it's another one of these negotiations on behalf of the wives. Schwartz and Barrio negotiate both to be paid in gasoline. Schwartz is like, he knows enough about wood that when he hears the dimensions, he's like, I know what this is. And then the slight bribing begins uh, where he he basically says, like, you got to give Janine a slap on the wrist. And Barrio pushes back, but eventually... He does it because he doesn't want anyone to know he has pre-ordered the wood for the coffins and that the fates are already sealed. Uh, but of course, Janine dimes them out because that's yeah. Janine is what she does like not usually an idiot, but in this pair of episodes, she plays 
a bad hand really badly. She has an opportunity for a deal in which she's going to get a slap on the wrist. And all she has to do is shut up about the pre-ordered coffins and she dimes them out. Uh, It's actually kind of inexplicable uh, why she does this. Yeah, I mean, as best I can tell, it's because this patriotic militia is kind of drunkenly wandering around town. Uh, it is led by Ansalm and a very, uh, a very sad Raoul, uh, Marie's son, basically looking for people to exact vigilante justice on. Uh, and Janine's high up on their list. And I guess she just seems like she doesn't trust Barrio and his deal. And so she feels like she's better off like exposing the whole thing. I actually, I don't, what is, what is the rationale? What could possibly be the rationale behind it? I don't think like the rationale as she articulates it is more like temper tantrum. She doesn't, she doesn't trust anybody, including uh, her ex-husband who granted is not the most trustworthy person in the world, but he's a saint compared to her. Um, And she he cuts her the best deal he can um and she feels like she's entitled to something more because you know daddy is really important in the ex outgoing regime it's really unclear to me what's motivating her here um but she kind of has a hissy fit and um and uh outs the deal I think to embarrass Berrio, um, who she thinks is a, you know, lower class upstart. Mm. And uh, the result is she sort of scotches her own chances to skate by. um, And her husband is, or her ex-husband is, uh, completely exasperated with her and basically tries to throw her out. Yeah, and I i mean, there's a bunch of weird things going on there. Like, it's also not clear to me why Schwartz is helping her. He clearly holds her in complete contempt. Uh, but he is using, you know, you only get so many times where uh, the new prefect is going to want pre-made coffins. Um, and he uses his leverage on behalf of Janine, which, I don't know, I guess there's potentially still affection there. Maybe he just doesn't want to see any more lives. Uh you know, ruined, but uh, why he's helping her to the extent he's helping her is also not clear to me. Um, but he Agreed. does. And yeah, then, and, and so the, the, so that's, but that's why we end up with Barrio kind of being like, well, now we need to let some of these people off uh, for, t- for the purposes of making sure it was a, it looks like a fair trial. I will say that after all of this bouncing around, they do sort of arrive at what I think is, a relatively just verdict, which is some of with the young... With one big exception. With one big exception, which is Alden. Um, and who, you know, there's that scene, the scene where he's confessing to the priest, and the priest basically says to him, there is no absolution I can give you in this life for what you did. And it's a good... It's, it's actually, it's a great exchange because the priest both says to him, the fact that you feel pain over this is your humanity and and God will see your humanity. On the flip side, he also says, 
you knew this was wrong when you did it. And Alban says, yes, I did know it was wrong. And then he kind of does this, I never knew my father, I was ordered to. Um, and obviously a lot of, well, I was ordered to becomes a pretty dominant theme as, as people, uh, you know, wade through the justice of the post-World War II uh, atrocities that were committed. Um, and it, it works in some cases and not in others. Uh, but in this case, the priest is certainly not willing to let him off. Uh, and it is only because of this weird um, set of circumstances that he does get let off. Well, so it's not clear to me whether he gets let off because of this weird... It's a combination of this weird set of circumstances and the fact that uh, young Antoine uh, has had uh, a sudden fling with his sister um, and um, some combination of attraction to her and desire to separate himself from Suzanne. Um, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to accomplish something for him. It's totally unclear to me what is motivating him in that vote. Um, uh, but, you know, it's some kind of confused... Uh, set of things. Alban saved his life. Um, he also really likes his sister, who he met at the ball the previous night and slept with, uh, and uh, and is disgusted with himself for having uh, uh, been attracted to the sister of a uh, militia guy who herself was dating Germans. Um, and so there's a like a complicated list of things going on in in Antoine's mind as he agrees to spare Alban, who clearly doesn't deserve it. Yeah, and again, from our our view, clearly doesn't deserve it. I can I can see how Antoine gets here, uh, and and I could see how he gets here even without the sister. They're like about the same age. Um, they could have easily had the same path, but instead had in, in insofar as Alban could have been on the Antoine path. Uh, it, Antoine's life was saved by Alban twice, actually, both directly when he didn't rat them out when he and Suzanne were hiding in the closet, and then second, Alban did you know tackled that other guy who was trying to blow the whole town up from the school, and so Alban has been um you know, trying to put put moral currency back in his bank. And he has some very specifically with Antoine. Uh, and I think Antoine has a tough time condemning somebody his own age who he has seen done good things. I mean, he also watched him execute the kids. Um, but in doing so, he also saw, he also probably saw the, that he was being ordered to execute the kids. So, so Antoine has a lot of information that I think makes it complicated for him. Um, so I under, and I understand that I will say, so the scene, I, I, I couldn't tell whether I liked this or not. I think I kind of like this idea of Antoine having been, you know, with Suzanne 
basically out of circumstances, but like she's considerably older than he is. He was never, she's always like, you know, she's like, tell me you love me. Uh, you know, cause he's like a boy and she's, you know, mandating what he says. And uh, I think the fact that- And he he's trying had, to play rock, paper, scissors, shoot to get out of sex with her. I mean- Totally, like, totally. Like he's not the passion of the century. It's not, and you could see how, um, you know, they obviously make a big show of his performance anxiety and how it's not working uh, with her. And you don't know whether, like, you're like, he's not gay, like, love Marie, but it's like, what is going on here? But it becomes clear in this scene where he is able to um, very quickly, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to put this, I guess, but, but, but perform with uh he he managed yeah he does it he does it with uh with the sister and it quite clearly and then they it's forget the sex the the, what they do um what they really do that i think is funny is at the ball they get they have suzanne and antoine start to dance and suzanne's kind of telling him like put your hands here and they do the most awkward hippity hop (laughs) little dancing situation and then like suddenly later on you know he's met the sister at the bar He's asked her to dance uh, and they're dancing. And suddenly he's like one of three couples that knows how to swing dance. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, really, and he's really good. It was funny. It was funny to me. Yeah. That was the I, well, and also because Suzanne has run off to deal with uh, a family crisis, which she precipitated by punching out her cousin <laughs> slash uh, uh, husband's, new paramour it's uh uh it's all you know so and then he discovers marguerite uh so it's a you know it's all very uh a lot going on in antoine's life and he's got to decide all of this is while he has to decide who lives and who dies and so it's a it's a lot for a teenager it is, especially when he then becomes, so I, I like, there's a lot about, so I, I mean, I guess these episodes really are about the chaos of rebuilding and how in the chaos, you don't always have the luxury of perfect justice one way or the other. Uh, there is Barrio, you know, Barrio's getting drunk at the ball and the American commander shows up at the ball to be like, hey, there's a vigilante militia going around looting stores trying to, you know, exact revenge on people in a way that is, uh, you know, just chaotic. We can't have it. It's not what we're here to, you know, here to do. You need a police force and you need it now. And so Barrio is just like, ugh, somebody, does anybody know where there's a cop left over? You know, and somebody's like, well, there's that laureate guy. Uh, And he's like, well, did he, did he, does he have any blood on his hands? Did he commit any blood crimes? And uh, did he arrest any Jews? And his like assistant is basically saying, look, anybody who was a cop between 41 and 44 was arresting Jews. And Barrio's kind of like, well, bring him here anyway. And uh, swears him in in the back of the hall. Um, and and Lario's now suddenly the new police officer for the Republic because Lario is in this category of just regular old civil servant who does what he's told, uh, doesn't, doesn't, he, he was on the bad side. We saw him. He, he didn't make, you know, he was kind of like Marchetti's right-hand guy, but he was never evil like Marchetti. And so you can sort of see how this makes sense. But then going back to Antoine, but then Barry is like, and now you're chief of police. 
uh, Antoine, head of the resistance. And uh, so, so for a young man, he's just being lots of, lots of people want Antoine to do something because of his legitimacy, the pure legitimacy he has as a resistance leader. So Barrio has an interesting pair of episodes. He kills somebody in cold blood. He reveals himself as a bit of a racist. Um, he um, reconstitutes the Vichy police force, albeit in modified form. And he supervises a sham trial. And yet, I think in important ways, he makes a whole lot of very good decisions under the circumstances. Lorio is by far the most, if you combine competence, knowledge of policing in Villeneuve and, uh, and lack of blood on hands, He's the best that they've got to work with. You know, the preferable option having been executed, murdered the other day by the police, right? He's, uh, uh, yeah, he commits a murder, but Kurt did ask him to kill him. So, um, uh, and, you know, he makes the ball come together. He makes the trial a rough uh proximate kind of justice. Um, you know, he's playing a really bad hand, uh, trying to keep the Americans happy, trying to keep Leon happy, trying to keep up the appearances that they're restoring the Republic. And I think the show does a pretty good job of showing how messy that process is. And Forcing Lorio and Antoine to kind of work together is a like like not a terrible you know move under the circumstances that he faces. Yeah, I do think you know because you can't have nice things. Uh, Barrio in these pair of episodes is goes from hero toggles back and forth between hero that we trust to be making the right decisions to anti-hero doing some bad thing. I mean, that you're. I, I, it's interesting. That, so I actually was, when I was watching the show, I was making notes about, and I said, um, where is it? Oh, I said, uh, there's a black American soldier dancing. Barrio says, it's, says the swing music is savage music. And I said, not sure. I was like, I, I said, not sure what racial implications. I, I couldn't tell if, if, it, if it, Barrio was being explicitly racist because I was like, in that the real way of like lost in translation. Cause there is the part where the black soldiers there, you know, the, the um, Americans have, you know, they're friends. And so they're like, Oh, can you find some girls for my friends here? One of them happens to be black. And you see the, the French guy being like, how am I going to find a girl for the black soldier? And you're like, I was sitting there thinking, are there not black people in France in the forties? I guess maybe not. Like what I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't suss out the back, like where everybody was coming from on this. Yeah, so uh, I can give you a little history on this. So, of course, France had uh, major holdings, uh, uh, colonial holdings in Africa, and uh, there were large numbers of French troops during the war who were uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africans, as well as um, uh, um, as well as North African Arabs. Um, 
it is also the case that uh, jazz uh, in many European countries uh, was a associated with uh, American blacks correctly um, uh, and b uh, regarded as a kind of subject of uh, 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 fascination and uh, but in a a uh, way that was considered sort of wild and savage. And so the fascination had many elements. Uh, the great French composer Maurice Ravel uh, wrote a amazing bunch of uh, pieces that were heavily jazz-inflected, and so there was a respectful side of it. Um, uh, there was, although Ravel died in the 30s, but um, uh, there was a, you know, a respectful engagement with it. There was also a lot of simple racism. You know, this was, uh, you know, as Berio says, uh, a lot of them regarded it as, by the way, this is true in the United States, too, as as sort of, you know, barbaric, savage music. And so I think you, you see Berio... Berio is a complicated figure. He um, he is quite uh, tolerant with respect to uh, Marguerite's uh, lesbianism. Uh, that doesn't throw him. He's uh, happy to get uh, uh, you know women for uh, American soldiers, but he's definitely thrown by uh, like how can you ask a young French woman to dance with a black guy um, question at the ball, and he is put off by swing music uh, and associates that with, uh, you know, sort of primitive savagery. And so I think that's a, like, it's almost certainly a reflection of how somebody of his class at that time might have reacted to, uh, you know, hearing jazz and being expected to dance to swing music in the context of a respectable gathering, like a respectable patriotic gathering. It's not like you're going to some, uh, to some like seedy, uh, exciting underworld place, uh, like you might in certain neighborhoods of, of Paris. But, uh, uh, and I, you know, the show shows that in a way that is, uh, pretty unstinting and unflattering to uh, Berio, who is otherwise my hero. Yeah, and who has just gotten off stage for singing his kind of ode to pluralism, which is the thing that we've, you know, not heard before, right? It's kind of a libertarian, you know, leave everybody alone and these here's all the different types of people. Yeah, but there and, are no black people in that song. I guess not. I guess right? not. It's like, it's like different classes and of, you different know, white French people. Yeah. But it's not it's not like the Senegalese or much less is it the uh, the American uh, African-American who you're supposed to greet as liberators. Yeah. What do you think? What do you make of the Americans and the portrayal of the Americans so far? Um, I, I so I'm really interested to see how they portray the American interactions with, in further detail, with Hortense and uh, Muller. They show up in this very fleeting way in these last few episodes, 
they deal with Marie in a combination of a, a sort of imperious and very effective way. And they seem to be quite reasonably, but again, sort of imperiously demanding of Berio that he get everything in order in a, a kind of lickety split fashion, which is unrealistic. Um, you know, from Berio's point of view, the war is over and they're in rebuilding stage. From the point of view of the American soldiers, you know, they still have to invade Germany. Um, and, you know, they have a very different perspective on uh, on where things are going from here. It's liberation for Berio and for Antoine and these people whose horizons are not larger than Villeneuve, but for, you know, for the Americans, this is just one stop on the way to Berlin and, and they have a bigger project and they don't actually give a shit about this town. And, um, and I think that is sort of well portrayed in the very businesslike and brusque way that they engage uh, the local people. Yeah, they almost seem to just like, they're annoyed with the French. They, they don't know who, which of these people were collaborating with the Germans. They can't. So it's just for them, it's like, we don't know what you guys have just done but we've seen a lot of terrible stuff and like now we've had to come bail everybody out. So why don't you just maintain order in your town so we can keep going? Uh, which, you know, when we get a little bit more of the Americans, um, that, and it's interesting to me uh, to see how they're portrayed. Um, so, uh, what, but it's back to the Barrio though. Uh, Barrio's new complicated, I don't know, portrayal. Because we also see him Right before he drunkenly suffocates Kurt with a pillow, he also kind of menaces Lucienne, uh, like sexually menaces her. Like he kind of goes drunkenly. She is trying to get some sleep. She's been sitting up taking care of Kurt in the chair. She like has to get some rest. Uh, and he kind of does this like, hey, I'm still your husband and I would like to do something right now. And she has to really forcefully say no. And that's part of the reason he's pissed when he goes, like, both in the drunk British term and in the American angry uh, way, when he goes into the room and he sits down, picks up a pillow, and just decides, like, this guy's done. And and it's a complicated scene because we have seen Kurt ask Barrio to do a merciful killing of him. On the flip side... Mario hasn't checked in with him about that, I don't think, for a little bit. So I don't know if that's still how Kurt's feeling. Yeah, there are some consent issues here, both yeah. with respect to Lucienne and with respect to Kurt. That's right. I, I didn't I didn't read I read it. I read it as okay, because we know it, he's been asked to kill him, it makes this a morally complicated thing for us, the viewer. But it's pretty much for Barrio done because he wants Kurt out of the picture and he wants Lucienne back in the way, the only way she's ever really been there, which is as a, as a second choice. Um, so. Or at yeah. least that he wants her, he doesn't want to have to play host to the long-term convalescence 
of the person he actually she actually loves like he does right. he he's content to be of the grudging second choice chosen for for the uh most um uh tactical of reasons um but he's not content to have you know uh her actively caring for a convalescent mummy who isn't him. Right. Um, so bye-bye Kurt, I guess. And then Barrio, you know, it's a weird way that he treats Lucien where he, he, you know, they're trying to give Kurt a false name so that they can bury him. And Barrio's acting very sad for Lucien. Uh, I and don't know. He's pretty, he's pretty gross in these episodes on this part. Oh yeah. 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 My point is he's the whole, on all moral matters through these two episodes, he is pretty gross, and yet he's doing a pretty good job as temporary prefect. I mean, I think there's a, <laughs> a contrast shown between like how effective he is and how much you like him. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's so that's mostly the first episode in this pair. In the second episode, it's where we get the firing squad uh taking out the militia or at least the parts of the militia that are condemned and there's a pretty you know kind of interesting tough scene where they you know it's hard to find people the, the, this is this was actually i thought an interesting exchange about you know very they're saying like how many people they're going to need who are trained with rifles to carry out this execution and how that's going to be difficult to find because lots of people don't know how to uh, like morally, you know, don't pull the trigger and shoot somebody. And they don't have a bunch of soldiers around anymore who are comfortable with just being part of an execution squad and also don't know how to, these people also don't know how to shoot straight, particularly. Um, so that was a, that was an interesting thing that I hadn't quite thought about. And then there is the scene itself where and it's a little bit reminiscent of the Marcel Chassagne thing because they're kind of you know st not strapped but like they have their hands you know tied behind them to a pole while they all stand there and they start singing and they start yeah, singing. So the, yeah, I think ahead. this scene is fascinating for at least three reasons. So the first is that they all you know reject the blindfold. And they sing in a fashion that is disconcerting to the firing squad members to the point that they actually, some of, they have a bit of trouble making the actual execution happen. And this is, you know, shows this, this spirit that these people, you know, are actually uh, not cynics. They're, kind of, you know, like brave fascists who actually believe in this shit. And um, the second thing is that the, the show actually does not flinch at all from how repellent their beliefs are because the song they are singing is vile. And yeah. so you're, you're at once kind of admire the sort of spirit and bravery of their deaths um uh and then are also like 
you you're proudly dying for this cause you know there's a like there's a real complexity in the song that they're singing and then the final thing which is you know uh is that there is something that breaks them out of this uh uh you know fascist death cult singing while we get shot spirit which is that they their a leader is appalled that there is a woman taking place taking part in the firing squad and this is an affront to his manly virtues and you know he actually breaks off the song and's like wait a minute i can't be shot by a woman um, and um and I think like all of this happens inside of like probably 90 seconds. Yeah. Um, and I think you, it, it is a very good piece of screenwriting about, you know, how we're supposed to feel about these people. Like, are they, are they honorable soldiers? Are they fascist thugs who, you know, you should just kind of kick and leave in the dirt or uh, are they like what combination of things are they and how they see themselves and how the other side sees them uh and i think it's it's very elegantly done yeah it's not always easy to take a life i mean that you know and and then that th- that is what they're setting up right now they're setting up both a combination of and and in the patriotic militia that's wandering around right the there's a a, vigilante, a vigilantism uh, that I think even like we look at Janine, we know Janine's a collaborator. No, she's a disgusting human being. And yet a bunch of drunken guys sort of showing up saying, we're going to cut you into pieces and, and exacting this kind of vigilante justice around Villeneuve feels uncomfortable to us or it feels uncomfortable to me because you want the trials to happen you want and 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 they and it's the same kind of complication you know it's, it's hard to stand there with a gun and I, you can hate these people they did terrible things but and and the justice can be deserved but pulling the trigger is not easy uh and and i just think that is probably is a is a thing that was very much in the air at this time some combination of bloodlust and then another and then other like like Antoine wants to kind of forgive Alban because they want to move on and it's doesn't want to see him die. And he has complicated feelings about it. I don't know. I like all of that because it feels true. Yeah. I, I think it's a very good scene. And I think, uh, you know, Suzanne's uh, actually forcing the matter um, is, is a, is a neat touch which of course she does partly to impress uh, uh, Antoine, um, but is I, I, I do think there's a a nice sort of portrayal there of the clash between the old France honor culture, violently uh, anti-Semitic. Um, I mean, these guys are dying; they're gonna they're about to get shot, and they're singing about crushing Jews. Um, right. And new France, uh, women have the vote. 
they play a big role in the resistance and she's on the firing squad and they are really offended by that. And there's something, uh, there's something neat about the portrayal of that in this scene of the kind of new France annihilating the old France um, or this aspect of the old France. Let's talk about Janine. So we had a, uh, I had a correspondence from a faithful listener uh, 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 who will remain nameless, who says that she really appreciated our ex-ante discussion of Alban and his guilt and wants us to go through systematically before people are judged in the show and discuss their guilt so that uh, we can do what we accidentally did with Alban, which is compare how the show dispenses justice with them to them with what we think is the right answer. So as these episodes end, uh, Janine is captured uh, by the uh, patriotic militia led by Anselm, who has uh, resigned from the uh, the military trial because he's impatient with this whole dilly-dallying and just wants to kill people. Um, and they uh, drag her off, beating up uh, uh, Schwartz in the process because he objects. And so as we leave these episodes, Janine is in trouble. And I guess the question we should discuss is, are we okay with that? We? Uh, let's see. Um, I... How do you feel? What do you think should happen to Janine? Should Anselm, you know, rip her to pieces and string her up from a tree in the town? Or uh, is there some other? And what's the right answer regarding her level of culpability? Yeah. So uh, I think that, so we we as viewers of the show know a lot more about Janine than from a, like a legal matter of what she did, right? So for, as a legal, she's a, she's a vile human and we've seen her behave vilely. Uh, and, and, and Schwartz kind of does this to her, even as he is bargaining for her freedom with Barrio, he says to her, like, you always said disgusting things about Jews. You were collaborator through and through. Um, and, and he sort of, he voices that disgust with her, which I share. Um, but on paper, legally there right what what was she doing so she was um she was a major collaborator from a doing business with the germans so was schwartz like for much of it uh and for much of the um for much of the show she and schwartz are kind of in it together as collaborators right even when they're apart and they dislike each other uh she and he still run a business with the germans uh and she when she goes the Chassagne way and he goes the resistance Marie way, um, you know, there's still a lot of moral ambiguity between what they do. He takes her money for that he gets like, that is from selling like her selling the concrete or something uh, in order to fund the resistance. She totally out of self-preservation does help the resistance uh, by um, saying that they've been infiltrated and, and saves them at one point. Um, look, I think that she should go to jail. 
I think that that as a I I do not I am very uncomfortable with the hey there's six drunk guys outside and they want to strip her down uh sort of publicly humiliate her and kill her. Um that I feel not great about. Um and and I wouldn't want it to happen. You know th- there's these um I don't know, I've seen it in other movies. I think I I think it was in Band of Brothers too. The scenes of the women who slept with German soldiers while countries were occupied and the way that they are taken into town squares and sort of like stripped naked, have their hair cut off and are sort of publicly humiliated in in front of the town. And um, those scenes make me sick. Like like the, the, I don't know whatever it is about that, that brand of justice. uh, I, I hate it. And that's not, like Barrio's trial, uh, that's, you know, that attempt at, at having sort of civilized judgment, uh, you can see how important that is for a civilized, to, I see how important that is for a civilized society um, to have the judgment work that way as opposed to people just deciding to show up to like kill you. So I agree with you about the mob justice element. I, I, I think, as a general matter, uh, people who are dispensing justice should be in the presence of a state doing so with the authority of a state and should be doing so sober. Um, like the, the fact that they are drunk off their skull really does not assist the cause of justice. That said, I think Janine is more guilty than your account of her gives. So yes, Formally, all she did was uh, do business with the Germans, which is no different from, uh, um, you know, what her husband did. Um, however, there was a, there's a difference, which is when he went over to the resistance, he did so decisively. And he did important things on behalf of the resistance, including busting some of their people out of prison, uh, put his life on the line. uh, And he did not play both sides at that point. He he really worked with them. Uh, She passed a little bit of information and some money. Um, and and, And that was much later, by the way, when it was clear which side was going to win. More importantly, her marriage to Shasani was not just a marriage. Uh, it was a tactical political move on her part. Uh, she saw the fascists winning, and she decided to, partly because that's where her family was, her father is a Vichy official of some importance, She sees her future as allied with them and publicly associates herself as the fascist, not just the collaborator, but the fascist mayor's wife. Uh, And that is a political, a public political position. And so I, I don't know what the you know, I don't believe in mob justice, and I don't know whether the uh, proper, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I think she should be shot. 
but I do think she is in a different category from, uh, I do think some measure of public judgment uh, of her is appropriate. And I, and I think she operationalized in the vile sentiments that she is describing in the private settings that we know. Um, uh, she is also doing that stuff in public in important ways. Yeah, so I agree that she's not at all in the same category as Schwartz. I guess what I'm saying is like what you want to see for Janine is Janine be tried, right? You don't want to see the vigilante justice. You want to see her be tried. You want them to expose the fact that she was a collaborator. You want her to have to answer for it. And then you want her punished. I'm just, uh, right, we're, we're getting into a pretty, for me, a pretty clear line between who dies for their punishment and who is punished in a real way but gets to live. Like, that's going to be the biggest line that's being drawn for these characters. And I think that if she was tried and she ended up getting the death penalty, I'd be, like, okay with that. But that's not what I would give her myself. I agree with that. I don't think anything that she did... Look, the worst thing she did was throw Sarah Myers out of her house at a time when that meant that Sarah Meyer would be, you know, deported and killed. Now, that happens early in the show, and Sarah does not die as a result of it, though she may or may not be dead for other reasons. Um, so she kind of gets a little bit of a no harm, no foul, um, uh, pass on that, but she really shouldn't morally. She, she tried to kill Sarah Meyer. Um, she just has plausible deniability on it. Um, I agree with you that among the characters that deserve to be shot, she is not one of them. Uh, although she continues to try to put herself in that category and her betrayal <laughs> of Hortense is just the latest, you know, uh, uh, like however bad you think I am, I'm worse escapade. Um, so are we, we're agreed then that she should be tried, convicted of collaboration and given something short of the death penalty? Yeah, I, that's that is how I would. That's how I would judge her. And if the mob rips her to pieces and uh, uh, hangs her from a tree with a sign, a uh, 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 sign hanging on her, you know, so, so die all who, uh, blah blah blah. However, they want to. Uh, you're not going to mourn her. So it's not about mourning her at that point. It is about mourning a. Um, what I think is a civilized sense of justice. Uh, I don't, it is not, it is not, I, I don't want to see people hanging from trees all over the place. Although there are people for whom I would be more comfortable. Uh, like if Marchetti is hung in the town square, I'm going to be like, well, bro, sorry, you really had that one coming. Uh, like that is, that that is a different situation. Um so I, I, but I don't like the, 
part of it is that the the vigilante justice uh, it's it's we have the information to know things their level of information is much more limited like what Ansalm knows about janine is pretty limited and it does not feel like they ought to be drunk, drunkenly running around being the arbiters of justice agreed okay so one last janine question in our uh totally unfair and historically inappropriate comparison of the film to modern times who is the janine of the current era so is this mercedes schlapp so it's so funny. I wrote this down. I'm going to read to you in my notes. I said, patriotic militia shows up drunk looking for Janine on Solomon Raul looking for someone to take their anger out on. And I wrote Sarah Huckabee Sanders restaurant. Uh, and it was and, and the, the thing that I was the thing that I'm connecting is that is my discomfort. So this you have a person who is bad, right? They've done a bad thing. But the still the treatment outside of sort of a civilized uh, like way of of adjudicating things lays uncomfortably with me. So I, there, you know, a lot of people defended the idea of like, well, look, she was just politely asked to leave a restaurant. Uh, and so these are not the same thing. It is the the only thing I, the the, thing, the comparison I'm drawing is honestly like the way it makes me feel. And I always felt like. I do not like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think she is vile. I think she's despicable. Do do we go around just like refusing general service to people? Like, I don't love that. Uh, That feels like a breakdown in our civilized society. Uh, And in like the the common, uh, like the pact that we make as a society. Um, so yes, that is, so it's interesting that you bring up Mercedes Schlepp because that was kind of my direction on this. So I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders is an interesting comparison. I also think Janine's, uh, one of her novelties as a character is that she is who she is almost entirely by marriage. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders is who she is by dint of, the reason I said Mercedes Schlepp was, uh, you know, Mercedes Schlapp is kind of married to the head of CPAC, mm-hmm. um, uh, not the head of C. Like, you know, the uh, uh, and I, I think it is one of the interesting differences between our society and uh, wartime France that the f- the female Trumpists who we. Uh, who loom large in our, uh, our minds don't tend to be uh, ancillary figures to the men that they're married to. They, uh, you know, uh, Kaylee McEnany and you know Elise Stefanik. I mean, these are actually political figures in their own right, closer to Servier or uh, you know uh, than 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 to Janine. I actually struggled to think of like who is the woman who's sort of married married to Trump world, but not really of it herself. Yeah, I mean, because I was going to say when you said she's like Mrs. CPAC, I was kind of like, well, actually, she's she was a counselor to the president directly. Like she had a much more important job in the White House than Matt Schlapp, who's mostly like a talking head who runs a conference for you know, the Star Trek cantina of 
political events or Star Wars. I don't know. I don't really know my <laughs> treks for my wars and the stars. Um, you knew what you meant. I knew what I meant. Yeah, uh, she was a White House official. He wasn't. Yeah, uh, like a pretty high up one. So, uh, well, listen, before we go, I, I as fun as I, I like teasing that out, I do have to go soon. We have not talked at all about Rita and Ezekiel, which I think we're just going to have to wait uh, for for next week's episodes to do that this this goes on. But um, there is a a comforting, it is comforting to have Ezekiel Cohn back in the picture, who I do feel like is a pretty strong moral character uh, and aligning with Rita, who's got good moral instincts that go awry occasionally, uh, like in the case of Marchetti showing up and her feeling still obligated to hide him. Um, but I like this Ezekiel, Rita, little Insta family they've got going on. Yeah, and I uh, I love the attachment of Ezekiel's daughter to uh, uh, the baby, um, uh, which strikes me as extremely human and um, uh, and portrayed without sentiment, um, but in a fashion that I thought was very uh, moving. Uh, when we meet this family, they are running through the forest trying to get away, and the brother of this girl is is killed. Um, the uh, mother is uh, later killed as well, and she kills so, herself. Yeah, so we've actually we actually, we actually know without knowing any of these characters well, we know a fair bit about what they've been through. And um, uh, and we know Rita, of course, very well and what she's been through. And, uh, and there's some quite adorable uh, discussions between, you know, these uh, two uh, very traumatized people one of whom is completely secular and the other of whom is mostly secular, but is looking to traditional religion in a kind of less than learned sort of way to try to grasp onto something. And, um, and they have, you know, very funny conversations about what role prayer may not, may or may not have in the good things that happen to people. That's right. All right. We're going to leave it there. Tune in next week. We got our, our season five finale. And then, you know, season six and seven, I'm just going to throw out there. If we get extended for that. If we get renewed. hanger question. That's true. Will we be retained for six and seven? So I will say six and seven are both six episodes apiece. Um, I don't know what was happening back in 2015 or or whatever where they how they decided to shoot them. I do think you and I should discuss doing them uh in in a month, doing three episodes at a time uh to kind of knock out those last two seasons um and and get this thing wrapped up. Consider it done. Oh, and Edith, take us home. Nous nous aimions bien tendrement, comme t'aimes tous les...